0: you homeschool with confidence and joy. I'm your host, Matthew McDill, and we have as our co-host, once again, T.S. and Smack. Hello. How are you? Good. Great to see you.
1: Thanks, Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. What do we got today?
1: So today, we have a special segment. We'll be looking at some homeschool history. Right. And we are going to look at an article titled, why Thomas Edison should be considered the patron saint of homeschooling. That is a heavy title, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, We're also are going to have homeschool conversations. So last month was the Capitol Fest event, mm-hmm. and Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson smoked, I mean, spoke to homeschool families. And we'll listen to a portion of that presentation. And
0: it was smoking. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to fit that in there. It was, it was smoking. It was, it was smoking.
1: Okay. The homeschool tip of the week. Um, we're going to look at how to help your children understand and love God's word, and you're going to help us with mm-hmm. that. And then Amanda is going to give us homeschool helps and continue her discussion of the different approaches of homeschooling. And so today we'll look at classical homeschooling.
0: That's great. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Okay, so for our special homeschool history segment here, we have this article from foxnews.com, Why Thomas Edison Should Be Considered the Patron Saint of Homeschooling. So I'm just going to read some, some portions of this. We are. Uh, Though Thomas Alva Edison's creations and ingenuity are legendary, most don't realize that Edison almost wasn't the world's greatest inventor. Mm. A curious and reckless child, young Edison <laughs> wanted to know the inner workings of the world around him and was not afraid to dive into the canal behind his house or into a grain elevator to find answers. At five, his zeal to understand fire ended with the family barn in ashes and a whipping from his dad. Uh, His at times dangerous curiosity and endless questions drove his father to distraction, who wrote the boy off as a dunce. But his mother saw something else in her owl.
1: So I'll continue reading, but I can't without first just... I think just seeing that and understanding that a curious child might seem reckless, but there could be something there. So I think that's a good moment to pause for his parents to not get so frustrated with all the questions. So let's keep going. (laughs) So Nancy Edison, his mother, was a teacher by trade and equipped her son with a combination of literary classics and science manuals that fed his passion. Um, She encouraged Al's daring Hands on exper- experimentation. I can't talk today. Um, young Edison absorbed the theory of the books he read while practically applying them, constructing his own telegraph to a neighbor's ha- house and dabbling with chemicals in his home lab. And despite a few explosions in the basement <laughs> and acid burns on his front, on her furniture, Miss Edison indulged Tom's pursuits. Thanks. Would you have done the same? You don't I have hope to so. ask out loud. Yeah. <laughs> We don't have to answer out loud. Let's keep reading. I don't know why Thomas Edison isn't the patron saint of homeschooling. He said late in life, my mother was the making of me. She let me follow my bent. The good effects of her early training I can never lose. And if it had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should very likely have never become an inventor.
0: Hmm. So even he recognized it. Uh, Edison would fill thousands of notebooks with ideas for new inventions. By the end of his life, he would file more than 1,000 patents and transform the lives of millions around the globe. The alkaline battery, the light bulb, the motion picture camera, the tattoo pen, and the first, I didn't know that one, and (laughs) the first electric car all sprang from the mind of a boy who was tossed out of school and told he was too dumb to be taught. Before we give up on the next average student, Or evicted child from the classroom Mm. remember thomas edison and his mother if it hadn't been for nancy edison we might still all be in the dark oh my goodness that's a good one
1: that is so good yeah okay as a homeschooling parent how does that make you feel
0: (laughs) um heavy responsibility in the sense of um you our job is to empower and equip the kids yeah to free them to give them of course the parameters but the ability to do uh, what God made them to do. Yeah. Help them discover it.
1: I think you know one of the challenges of that because of course we know that, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. But then if you just put myself in her shoes, if you have a child who is getting kicked out of school or not following directions, maybe talking when they said not to because he's asking all of these questions, then we begin to feel like, oh, am I not teaching my child the right manners or teaching them mm-hmm. the right level of respect? And so just keeping in mind that we need to balance um, you know how we need to teach them how to act and still understand that where they are in their development, paired with their bent, might be challenging, it might be reckless, yeah. it might be crazy. And how do we that's right? How do we allow for that? So that's what I'm processing,
0: <laughs> absolutely. That's what this is encouraging about. And I, I want to mention that the, the author of this is uh, Raymond Aroro, Arroyo, and the reason that he's not the patron saint, by the way he asked the question, is because homeschooling goes way, way, way before Thomas Edison. Of course,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. All
0: right, that's great. All right, homeschool conversations. A homeschool
1: conversation. So Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson addressed homeschool families in the final workshop of the Capitol Fest that we had in Riley on April 5th. So we're gonna listen to a portion of his talk while he encourages homeschoolers and explains what his job entails.
2: And again, thank you all for having me here. Uh, it's an honor to be here among you. And let me tell you why I say it's an honor for me to be here among you. Because you represent a lot of sacrifice and a lot of courage. A lot of it. It takes a lot of courage and sacrifice to say that I'm not going to trust my ed- the child's education with a school system quite frankly that i don't trust that i don't feel like is doing the correct job of raising my children or or not raising but educating my children and i'm going to take that task on myself inside my home you see when i was a young man and i know some of you all can attest to this homeschool children were usually problem children they were usually children who had been kicked out of institution after institution after institution and then had no other means of education except to be educated at home that is not the case today i'm not going to stand up here and bash public schools I'm not going to stand up here and say bad things about them but many many problems exist in our public education system today we are trying desperately to fix those issues it's very tough we come up against a lot of forces that love the status quo But while those issues are being fixed, your children cannot be left behind. I am honored that you recognize that, and have taken on the charge, taken on the call, the duty, to take your children's educational destiny into your hand. They're now educating them at home. So thank you all so much. It's my honor to be here again. My honor to be here among you. So, my name is Mark Robinson. I am the 35th Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. Historical fact. I'm the first black lieutenant governor of North Carolina. Thank you. Never never in my life could I have imagined that I would be uh, where I am today, uh, namely because of how I was raised and when where I came from. I came from a very poor family, uh, and we had saw a lot of struggles. Uh, but the second reason why is because uh, even as a grown man, I could never imagine myself being an elected official, ever. Uh, But I became an elected official Because of a sense of duty To my community, to my state And uh, that's why we serve now So when we talk about Serving North Carolina, what does the lieutenant governor Of North Carolina do? Well, here's my primary job My primary job is that I am the president Of the senate Uh, I get quite a kick uh, Sitting on the dais in the senate Being called Mr. President (laughs) That's a that's a pretty thrilling thing, uh, but I don't get to debate in the Senate. I don't get to go into caucuses. I don't write legislation. What I do is basically keep order in the Senate. I direct the conversation, uh, I, uh, and I'm basically in charge while I'm in that hall. When I was deciding whether or not to run for this position, when I found out I had to do that, that was one of the things that I was the, I was most worried about. I was not sure if I could do that. I'd never done anything like that before in my life, or at least I thought I had. But being in the role now and doing it now, it's absolutely my favorite thing. Uh, Senate move. The Senate moves kind of slow. There's not a lot of sessions right now, so I haven't been to a lot of sessions this this uh, so far uh, this session. But we'll go to more as time goes on. But it is my favorite thing and. It, it turns out it's not too god-awful different from uh, what I used to do when I was in the Army when we used to do something called calling cadence and calling drill. It's almost the same thing. A set of rules is given to you. You follow them. You, got, you, have, you have this great lady, the principal clerk. Uh, her name is Sarah, Sarah Holland. She keeps me straight. So we enjoy being uh, the president of the Senate and directing the traffic in that, uh, in that room. Plus, all of the people that I work with are consummate professionals. So it's not that difficult. Uh, uh, The second uh, part of my job, and this is the part of my job that has taken up the most of of my time. I am a sitting member of the Board of Education, the State Board of Education, and I am a voting member of the State Board of Education. Uh, That issue of education has taken up most of my time since I've been Lieutenant Governor. My biggest fights, my biggest struggles have been in the area of education. it is the reason why education is the reason why i decided to run for this office when i found out that the, that the lieutenant governor is a sitting member of the state board of education that is what put me over the top To that made me decide to run and serve in this position why because education touches everything else that we talk about doesn't matter if it's a social issue doesn't matter if we're talking about our constitution doesn't matter if we're talking about our economy. Education touches all of those facets in our life. I love to talk about North Carolina's economy and how well it's doing, but North Carolina's economy will not continue to do well if we don't have a well-educated workforce that will continue to feed that economy. I love to talk about our Constitution, but our Constitution will not survive if we do not have an educated citizenry that understands why our Constitution was crafted the way it is and the laws thereof. And so uh, that has been my toughest fight as Lieutenant Governor, fighting to ensure that education uh, doesn't follow the status quo and that education is not controlled by bureaucrats. Too much of what we see now is uh, in education is controlled by bureaucracies, is controlled by agencies with their own agendas, and not, they, they don't, don't have the proper uh, focus. And what is the proper focus? The proper focus is parents, teachers, and students and the success thereof. The number one issue, I believe, to make any school system great, any school system, is that parents are in charge of their children's educational destiny. And that's one of the things that we have fought for uh, greatly as uh, Lieutenant Governor and will continue to fight for because we believe that is an essential element uh, in ensuring that our, our school system is great. So that's another one of my duties another another of my duties is uh we're a city member of the board of community colleges uh, community colleges uh, i've known this for a while but since i've been lieutenant governor i've learned this uh even more and seen it in action even more community colleges have become an absolute integral part of our education system because here it is whenever we mention education whenever we say the word education we always think children We think elementary school, we think K through 12, we think college students. But let me tell you about one of the missing links, one of the things that we oftentimes forget in education. And it's one of the most helpful things for our society, and that's adult education. We talk about wage gaps, we talk about uh, impoverished neighborhoods, we talk about families that generation after generation struggle in poverty. One of the ways to overcome that, I believe, is that by having an education system that allows everyone to have access to education that would allow them to be upwardly mobile so that uh that's been a a big thing for us right now and uh we face a lot of fights on that front and uh we we hope to continue to be able uh to build our community college system i'm also a member of the energy policy council as you all know we would not be in here in this air conditioning right now if it was not for our our energy uh I could share with you my philosophy about energy, but I don't want to bore you to death. Uh, Other than that, we don't have any set duties. We basically set our own calendar and our own agendas. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time uh, working with the General Assembly uh, to get their message out. We love to find out what legislation that they are passing and then we step out into the public eye and use our bully pulpit, as we call it, to push for that legislation to continue to make our state even better.
0: All right. I really enjoyed hearing Mark. That was a great, uh, talk. We're going to have another yes. portion of that talk, uh, next week. So nice. stick around for that one. Um, let's, let's dive into, uh, homeschool tip of the week here. And what I'm going to do is share a workshop that I gave at the conference okay. last week. And this is called how to help your children understand and love God's word. And by the way, you can purchase all the workshops from the conference right now if you go to nchg.com and go to uh, media tab and uh, you're going to see the 2023 conference and you'll be able to buy any of those and uh, if you do it quick they're still going to be a little bit on sale but they're always going to be available and and you'll be able to find this one as well so there are not very many things in the world more important than parenting absolutely than raising your kids absolutely there isn't anything more important in parenting than helping your children to know and love Jesus.
1: Absolutely.
0: And one of the most important ways that we can do that is by helping them to know and love the Bible. Yes. And so that's, I just want to take time on that really important point in, in the larger context here. Why is that so helpful? And I want to read from Psalm 19, seven and eight, the law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So why would we want to teach our kids God's yeah. word? These benefits are amazing. right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Th- these are the things I want. Um, they're they're the life of of the spirit and soul of my child the wisdom that they would get the joy the Mm -hmm. light and understanding and so these are the reasons why we want to help our kids to understand god's word and to love god's word. so i'm just going to hit in the few minutes we have here some of the ways we can do that number one exemplify your children love for and understanding of god's word so that really just comes back to me are they seeing me in god's word thinking about memorizing, talking, uh, enjoying, living in God's word, because that's what they're going to see. And that's going to be a, a big part of it. Uh, number two, teach your children why God's word is important. Of course, one of the most important scriptures we know is 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God. So we know that it's the Bible is really from him and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that's another benefit. We know why it's so important. But this is from God on purpose to give us a guide to know him, to know what it means to live our lives for him. That's why it's so important. And you help them understand why it's so important. Number three, teach your children the benefits of knowing and obeying God's word. So I already read from Psalm 19. Those are the benefits. So many blessings and promises of success come from knowing God's word and following God's word. So if you teach your children the benefits and they believe those, wow, this is going to make a big difference. Um, Then that will draw them to God's word. Number four, uh, teach your children to pray God's word. Now, I have to admit, I haven't heard that a whole lot, yeah. learning how to pray God's word. But what that means is I'm reading the Bible and I'm talking back to God. I'm just yeah. talking to him about his word and what he's teaching me and what he's speaking to me about. Another thing is to pray from the scripture and, and the prayers in the scripture. For example, we could pray for our kids like from 2 Timothy 3.16 and just, and just say, Lord, I pray for my kids that they would see that God's word is from you. that they would be taught and corrected that all their exposure um it would do those things in their lives that they would be complete and equipped and you're just praying what you know god wants to do yeah from the scripture into (laughs) your kid's life that's an example you can pray any scripture about anybody or anything um obviously teach your children to read god's word i guess that's pretty obvious but what i mean by that is to have an ongoing discipline of I'm regularly reading God's word. I'm reading chapters and books. Um, I'm asking good questions. What is God teaching me? What does this tell me about God? How can I apply this to my life? Maybe learning how to journal, those kinds of things. And you're teaching your kids how to do that on a regular basis. Um, Number six, teach your children to memorize God's word. This is probably the most important thing I feel like that my mom taught me when I grew up, is memorizing God's word. It's it's one of the big disciplines of my life right now. And uh, I remember the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. How did Jesus handle it? Like, how was he able to fight against that moment of temptation and against Satan? He quoted God's word. He did, yep. And what's funny is, he, I don't think, like, he pulled the scroll <laughs> out of his satchel, right? And he's like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on, Satan. I got to find in the concordance, like a verse for that. No, yeah. because just like a good Jewish boy, man, he knew God's word. He had memorized God's word and he was able to respond out of his heart. Yeah. And so we have to know it better than, well, I got to better look it up in the concordance, you know, yeah. and, and hiding God's word in our heart, which we know is so important. And last is teach your children to study God's word. A little bit different than reading. Could you do a word study? Could you get a commentary and read some more? Could you pick a topic like anger or temptation or love and like do a little study on it so there's deeper ways you know everybody can learn how to be a, a bible student yeah. you know in some ways so anyway those are those are some things and you can hear all the rest of the talk um by getting that that workshop if you'd like to hope that's encouraging to you
1: Thank you for sharing. That is really yeah. good. Um, I grew up a Christian, but didn't grow up reading my Bible and knowing okay. how to do that. So I'm glad um, that you're sharing that with other parents. Thanks. Um, so today we're going to look at Homeschool Helps with Amanda, and she's going to continue her discussion um, by looking at classical homeschooling.
3: Welcome to Homeschool Helps with Amanda. I'm Amanda Wares, Homeschool Helps Director within CHE. So today, we're going to do a little deep dive into the classical method of homeschooling. Um, the classical method is another very popular method of homeschooling. Obviously, it's been around a long time, hence the word classical. What does that mean? So. The classical method of homeschooling relies on something called the trivium and the idea of the trivium is learning is broken up into three stages based on the child, the students development. So you have the grammar stage, which is roughly elementary um, and the child then is relying a lot on memorization and really developing those building blocks of learning. Then you move on to the dialectic stage, which is roughly middle school. Um, In this age and stage, the student is really learning to question and um, find out the reason behind the things, those building blocks that they laid in the grammar stage. Now they're really developing Uh, an understanding of why and what comes behind that learning. Then you move on to the rhetoric stage, which is roughly high school. Now they're going to learn to apply all of that learning that they've done and be able to argue, be able to reason, be able to explain and use all of that learning that they've had. Now, why would someone choose a classical method of homeschooling. One, it's been around. It's classical. It's very tried and true. Um, many, many people over throughout history were educated in the classical method. Um, two, it can be very rigorous. So if you want that rigorous education, this might be the method for you. It focuses a lot on great literature. So that might be attractive to you. It is also very structured. So if you're looking for structure um, in your homeschool, this might be the method for you. Now, some cons might be that your child may not respond to this type of learning. This, your elementary child may not do well with memorization and that type of structure. Um, they may not respond well to that rigor and it may be time-consuming especially if you have multiple kids. It might not be for you. Now, what are some examples of classical education curriculum? Um, Memoria Press would be one. Veritas Press would be another. Um, Classical Conversations have communities that focus on classical learning all around. Um, some books that are out there that really go in depth and outline the classical method of homeschooling and how to implement it in your homeschool would be The Well Trained Mind um, by Susan Wise Bauer, and Teaching the Trivium would be another one. There are many others, but these are the main ones that come to mind. So This was a quick little deep dive into classical homeschooling, but I hope it helps you as you're deciding and exploring the different ways to homeschool and what's gonna be best for your family and your students, your homeschool. So I hope this was helpful today.
1: so send your questions and your feedback to the homeschool show at nche.com and please help others find this show by subscribing rating leaving a review on apple Podcasts and youtube um, to learn more about how to subscribe please go to nche.com slash the homeschool show
0: and until next week continue to homeschool with confidence and joy